You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. From Radiolab. Now this is the pump where Helen learned her first word, water. I spent most of my life feeling constricted by Helen Keller's ghost. I don't blame Helen Keller. Did you really have to write that letter? We don't focus on that. It is here and now. It's not in the past. No. Ah! The Helen Keller Exorcism. Check it out wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone of willy or clone of pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone of willy or clone of pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I am your deliciously disabled host, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, shall we? First things first, friends, just want to say for all of you disabled folks that have been hunkering down throughout most of winter, because the snow is ridiculous. And for those of you who live where it snows and are mobility device users, I know how tough the last few months has been. And it's finally almost spring. So get excited because you can actually go outside in your mobility devices and do things. 
I cannot wait to go outside with my wheelchair and just walk around. Um, so I just wanted to say to all of you wheelchair users out there and complex mobility device users, spring is coming. You can finally go outside and you won't have to dress so, so tightly anymore. It's coming soon enough. And get ready. I just know for me, the last few months has been super tough. So I wanted to just give a little ray of sunlight to all of you in, who have been hunkering down and listening to the show during snowstorms, during all those things. I'm here for you. It's almost spring. And for those of you where it's not spring, I don't feel bad for you because it's always warm there. So from for any Aussie listeners, I love you, but the seasons are always great there. So just be glad you don't have snow. But uh, enough of my rambling. Let's get to the show today. The show you're going to listen to today is one that I recorded back in July of 2021. And I got to sit down with one of my really close friends, someone who I refer to as my friend tendant, because she is someone that I travel with when I go do talks and when I go give lectures and when I go get to do cool things around being disabled. I need to take a caregiver with me. So I either take my mom, who I'm going to have on a show eventually to talk about our experiences traveling together. But for this episode, I want to introduce you to my very good friend, Rita. She's someone that I travel with all over North America to give talks. Um, And we talk about our relationship as caregiver and client and as friends and what that means for us. She also shares with us her experiences being the mother of a disabled person and what that's like for her. We talk about so many different things, but I really thought it was important to bring her on the show to talk about what it's like to travel with somebody with a disability, what it's like to have to help them, and what that dynamic is like. Because so many of us with disabilities would love to travel and love to see the world, but it's hard to sometimes get care. So the relationship that Rita and I have is extremely special, extremely valuable, and I wanted to to bring her on the show to talk about what it's like traveling with me and what it's like for me traveling with her and what it's like needing care during those trips and all those things. And I just thought it was a valuable thing to shine a light on today. So without further ado, I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend Tendant, Rita, right now on a brand new Disability After Dark. Rita, hello. Hello. I am so happy to have you on the show. It is so nice to see you. It's you, wonderful to be here to be talking to you again after so flipping long. Oh my gosh. It's been so long. And anyway, so long. Rita has been my travel friend tendant for god years like at least six years now um and like so and I haven't seen Rita since the last time we traveled to do a talk together so this is this is like oh we're finally saying hello for the first time in like two years it's very weird (laughs) the odd text here and there but this is uh yeah first time actually getting to see you I know and getting to see you too since Hmm. since we last like did this so I am so excited to have you here because I want to talk today. We're going to talk about us doing attendant care together. We're going to talk about like disability. We're going to have a whole bunch of different things. 
But for people who don't know who you are, yes. Well, you're my friend, so they all will know. But for people, <laughs> if you could introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a little bit about who you are, sure. what you do. So, um, as Andrew said, I, I am a friend. I've known Andrew since I was. 17 years old, which we won't do the math on that one. Uh, but we first met when I was a camp counselor at an Easter Seals camp where Andrew was a camper. Uh, we've kept in touch over the years. Um, it, uh, it definitely informed a lot of my, my after school jobs and uh, jobs during university um, that I ended up working in attendant care and things like that. Um, and then I went on to become a mom uh, to my beautiful, almost 15-year-old daughter. Let's, uh, again, <laughs> let's not think about the math on that one, um, who is also a person with a disability. She uh, has a neuromuscular condition, but I'm sure Andrew's going to get me to talk more about that in a bit. Yeah, oh, I definitely want but to. Now but now I get the privilege of traveling with Andrew when we're not in lockdowns and when borders Yeah, are you're my stuff. friend Tendon. I, I mean, you, you were, I remember, and you were the first person, I remember I was invited to go to Chicago back in yeah. 20, 2015. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. 2015 that all started with a Facebook post. Yeah. And I was looking for somebody to fly with me, which if you're disabled and need care and you live in a, a system like I do, you can't get the, the caregivers that work where you live usually to go with you because it's conflict of interest. There's a whole bunch of problems. There's a whole bunch of issues Liability. with that. So I was looking for someone to go with me to this this conference I was invited to watch in Chicago. And I just put it out there. And then Rita popped up like two days later. It was like, uh-huh. I don't know if you remember me, but we were like, <laughs> was, it a, was it a day? I, I don't even know how long you had had it posted, but I don't think it was that long. And I think really I quick. said, if I remember, it was, I know I'm a little out of date with your your own care, but uh, I have kept up my skills. And and if you'd want me as your travel buddy, I'd be happy to come with you. Yeah, <laughs> which I it, think you might have been a little shocked because it had been, you know, a little while. <laughs> I, I I was I was like I remember you from that. I don't remember. I I couldn't remember at that point like how how much we had connected. But then once we saw each other again, it was like we just fell into into old stuff and it was really yeah. it clicked really nice because usually when you when you're trying to find a travel attendant or somebody that you want to go somewhere with there's all these fears of like can they do the care can they will they be okay will I be okay will everything be all right and like I've traveled with others where it wasn't super great yeah. so I remember <laughs> being excited but also like mm, I don't know like it, there was some apprehension there but the Absolutely. minute we started like the minute we started doing it again it was so comfortable and so fun. Yeah. Um, you kind of alluded to this, but I want to ask you, Rita. Hey. So, well, actually, I didn't write this down, but you said yeah. you met me at a at our at the summer camp I went to, which was Easter Seals camp back in like oh, 19. I can tell you that I was there in '99 until 2001. Yeah, so I probably would have met you in '99. Wow, that makes me feel also really old. Yeah. I would have been. <laughs> 15 yeah to my 17 Um, and so what do you remember about me as a disabled camper oh I remember you were a firecracker (laughs) (laughs) you (laughs) you amused the hell out of me um 
between checking out. I, I think we probably were checking out the male counselors together at that point in time. Yeah, I think we uh, were. Probably. Um, I remember your bleach blonde hair. I have pictures somewhere of that that I'll have to dig out. Yeah, I think you sent me a photo of that a while ago. (laughs) Um, And I, yeah, there was a period where, you know, the Baxter Boy bleach blonde hair thing was in and I was like, I want to be cool. So that's what I'll do. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, one of those summers I had bleach blonde hair too. So (laughs) I mean, look, bleach blonde hair. Oh, no, it it ended up blue. Yeah, that's right. It was. Camp, yep. I mean, bleach blonde hair in the 90s and early 2000s was like, what you did it was like it was what we did 20 years ago wow 20 years ago (laughs) Um, so so yeah you were you were a counselor in training I think when I first when we first met I actually I think I was a leader in training I didn't do the counselor in training program oh I did I did the leader in training to uh just to kind of come check out the camp and see what it was all about um my grandfather had worked with Easter Seals uh in their fundraising campaigns and such. And so I, the camps were on my radar. I knew about them. Um, and I had a, a classmate who um, had attended as a camper and uh, his mom had spoken to me. We'd kind of talked a little bit about them and um, she'd spoken highly of them and thought that it might be something I would enjoy. Cause I'd kind of suggested to her that it was something I was considering yeah. And at that point, I wasn't quite ready to like jump in for a full summer because I'd never been away from home for long periods of time like that before. And so I kind of went, yeah. well, let's dip a toe in there and see what I think. Um, absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, couldn't wait to get back the next year. So many. I know every year and- that like every year that I went to and I went to a bunch of the camps in mm-hmm. in and around like Ontario I went to pretty much every single one in Ontario save for one I think um and I fell in love with it because it was like wow this is a place where I get to be completely disabled and nobody cares and they accept the fact that I'm disabled and no one cares and it's great and it was it, it's the norm it, there uh, yeah and I wish that like they don't do it very much anymore if at all, I don't think. Um, Not at that particular camp. There's still a couple of them that are active, but it looks very different today, I think, than back in our days. Yeah, back yeah. in our days is, and I, like I remember, like I that that was the that was when I realized that I was definitely gay. Uh, <laughs> that was. Really, I can imagine why. <laughs> that I mean, that was where I realized that there was there was some definite queerness going on there. Yeah. Um, and, but, I, but what I loved about the, those summers there is that it brought non-disabled and disabled people together in a way that I think is extremely unique and it forged bonds and friendships like that I don't think unless you're in it no mm-hmm. one else can understand yeah I would agree like I would agree I don't know, it, we, it definitely we, changed a lot of my outlook right yeah tell me like tell me a bit about that tell me how like camp change like particularly sure, yeah. how did how did camp change your understanding of like disability uh I think it really opened my eyes a lot more you know um I'm sure that before that I had a lot of preconceived ideas and um and and that's terrible to say my mom was a special ed teacher I grew up um in a, a school that uh really focused on including uh, individuals with disabilities 
in the classroom. Like there was no segregation in my school growing up, um, yeah. or at least in my elementary school and high school it got a little bit more segregated, but, um, but really, you know, getting to know such a, a large group with such a variety of disabilities really kind of opened my eyes because I, I don't think, you know, small town girl, I, I didn't have a ton of experience um, going into it. I, uh, I don't think I had ever personally interacted with anyone nonverbal before camp. Um, I don't, I, I'd never provided any kind of care for anyone. Well, very minimally, if at all, provided any care yeah. for anyone with a disability. I, uh, I went on to, um, babysit a, a young boy who was on the autism spectrum and, uh, at one point, but, and, but I, I, th I think all my camp experience came before that. Um, it really made me um, kind of look at, at, you know, I, I wouldn't have had the words for this at the time, but, but at my own um, in ideas of, um, well, really my ableistic Ableism. views of yeah. the time, right? It, uh, it kind of forced me to confront a lot of that. Um, and just even, you know, watching how other counselors would interact with campers and sometimes going, hey, wait a minute, no, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Not all it, of them. Yeah. Like, honestly, like there, I'm sure there were like amazing counselors and there were ones who maybe not as amazing, but um, it, it really made me take a look at what I was doing and how I was interacting and, um, and how I was thinking and I, it made me more aware of all of that. Yeah. Um, but like it definitely, like, I, I, think I it can't say enough good things about my experience and, and what I learned. I wish, I mean, I wish they would, and I've said this to you a bunch of times, I wish they would just redo it with like, we can all be adults. Let's all do it. Let's, <laughs> right? let's all do two weeks. Big reunion. I would love it. And <laughs> yeah, if the camp be, was still there, we, it would be such a wonderful thing to do. I mean, I would, it was just such a, such a valuable time in my life because mm -hmm. up until I went and I, I started going to those camps when I was six years old. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking I, when I was a kid thinking, oh, there are other kids with disabilities. Like I can't hang around them. They're disabled. And like, it even taught me to like, look at my own ableist views and change them. And so yeah. those kind of things, I can't talk enough about how much I loved those summers and how like important they were. And also like, you know, I love it. The, the, the counselors were in there like 17, 18, 19, 20. They were like peers almost. I mean, yes, they were, some of them were authority figures and had to be, but you know, a lot of them were just—they ended up being your friends because they got it. It was, you know, yeah. As, yeah. And I, the time I would have been coming around to the camp would have been for your age group in particular. Yeah, you guys were peers, literally. Like my classmate ended up being at like with the same same season that I was there for the first time, which was also really nice in terms of um, moving me 
into that space because I was like, okay, I know somebody because otherwise I wouldn't have known yeah. anybody going in. And um, so that really helped ease my mind knowing that I was going to know somebody on the property at least. But I mean, I think it's interesting that you said like you had, even though you had experience with your mom being a special ed teacher and you had all that experience, oh, like you still had ableist views. And I think it's important oh, for, sure. for people to recognize that because even if we have an experience with a disabled person and mm-hmm. we have a friend who's a disabled person and like all of us can still, we, we all have things we still got to work on. I, even now, years later, with years of experience in that camp counselor role, in attendant care role, in my uh, role as a parent, I still catch myself sometimes saying or thinking things that I'm like, wait, no, no, that's not right. Let's try that again, Rita. You yeah, know, well, it's that ingrained thought that you, you kind of have to out train yourself. Yeah, it really does take a lot of unlearning and being, mm. and you know, being allowed to make a mistake. Um, and I think those summers for me, like, I remember how much I loved to go back there because not only was I included, but it also like I had, there were able bodied people that wanted to engage with me. And for me, as a disabled kid that every time when I went back to my hometown, I was also from a small town. So when I went back to my small town, nobody talked to me. I didn't go to, I didn't hang out. So when I got to go there and I was like the cool kid for a second, it was like, oh, this feels like, like I remember being at that camp and being like 16, 17 and having everybody run up to see when my, when I pulled up, having yeah. everyone at the whole summer camp run up to like see my, and they did it for all of us. They would all run up to all of us and be super super fun but I, I felt so at home there and I remember I remember one summer I stayed for eight and a half weeks because someone called it called in someone said they couldn't go and I had gone home after my first six weeks and I was really upset and crying and depressed and my mom called the camp and just said look Andrew's not okay is there any way he can come back for like another session and they were like oh yeah somebody actually dropped out and they like the next day they drove me back up there, but it was such a, it was such a unique utopia of a time for a lot of us because it allowed for, it, it's funny, those experiences kind of inform what I'm doing now is trying to build a bridge between the non-disabled and disabled communities because summer camp did that, man. Like you didn't, you, you had to learn to work yeah. around someone's disability and you had to learn to work with people that didn't quite understand, but wanted to. There was a lot of of hints on what I'm doing now back then. I love that. I love that the provided you with this pathway to, to what you're doing now. And, you know, I haven't, I didn't even really think about that till right this very second of, of how much those experiences like informed my desire to work, to show able-bodied people that being disabled is just fine. And it's hard and there are hard moments, but like you, we can all be a part of this together. Anyway, I could, I could wax and wane about those memories forever and ever. Uh, but I want to jump into more about you because you're awesome. Okay. Um, I want to add. Let me just pull up my questions. Here we go. Sure. So, as we kind of talked about, yeah. you have been my primary travel friend tendant, as we'll say. I love that term. The, <laughs> it's my favorite because you really are. You're, you're, you're a really good friend and also you do my care so yeah. for intended is perfect 
It is. It is. And and we've been on some wonderful adventures. Oh, wow. Oh, um, my gosh. My favorite adventure, I think, that we went on that was really, really funny for me was when we went to Chicago. Uh, <laughs> the first the time out. Okay. Yeah, the first time <laughs> out, we get to Chicago and... Um, and the airline busted my chair. I was going to say when they damaged your chair, we had to yeah. get real creative. And we had to, we were in this little hotel by the, I think it was by the airport or. It was, uh, it was close to Millennium Park. So near where the bean is in Chicago. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we, I had to go to this conference and I was invited to go and I, luckily I didn't have to speak. Yeah. Thank goodness. I was just invited to go watch, but. I was stuck in the room with you for like 24 hours, well, almost yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. Because well, they, they had to get a, a special part from somewhere like in the suburbs of Chicago that took them an hour and a bit to get back and forth. Anyway, it took them a long time to get back and forth. And I remember, I just remember us like sitting there together trying to figure out what to do and like <laughs> watching trash tv for oh like so much trash all day. <laughs> and 90s sitcoms and like and I, for me yeah. like that was that was because i remember, that was our first time out when i was, was a bit apprehensive about about like working or like because i never had really taken a travel attendant anywhere so i was like oh my god how do i do this and like <clears throat> that was the moment where i was like oh this will work we can just <laughs> be friends and it's fine and it'll be fine and it was really comfortable for me because I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about about being super professional. I can just be myself with Rita. And it was nice because usually with attendant care and other people that I've traveled with, there's a huge, there's like this huge need to be extra professional. So mm-hmm. it takes away the fun. And I think what I love about our relationship when we travel is like, I can't. I, I can text you and say, "Hey, you want to go to this place?" And we'll figure out. We'll figure it out. And like it's, it's so easy yeah. to be like, "Want to come with me?" You know, like to have that closeness with somebody when I need so much care, when when I don't have my usual care like when we're traveling. To have somebody that knows what they're doing that I tr- that I can trust is mm-hmm. really nice. And that's that's really the beauty of our our working arrangement, if you will, here because you know, it is you know, a working trip for me when I go, but it's so much fun. <laughs> and it's, it's so wonderful that, that we had this basis of a, a friendship uh, that we could draw from beforehand, because yeah. it's like traveling with a friend. And yeah, I, I do transfers and I help you shower and, and things like that. But we're laughing the whole time and having time a blast. And, and even when, you know, shit hits the fan and stuff goes wrong, we figure it out. And yeah. it makes for another story. And it's not a, a bickering, tense awfulness no because we have that you know the inside jokes that get us through and the um and like i was just thinking that yeah lots of chocolate and uh, (laughs) we uh we've got our our comfort levels with each other too yeah i know we really do and i remember when we went to um we went to los angeles and they they Mm -hmm. texted me like literally 24 hours before i had to get on plane and I texted you and said, what are you doing tomorrow? Cool, nothing? Want to come to LA? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like to oh, have that, was, that. That was a whirlwind, but it was great. That was really and a I, whirlwind. And I mean. 
I'm trying to remember. I think I had just gotten back from a conference too of my own. Yeah, you you did like a day before. <laughs> yeah, so it was a, and, a quick laundry and turnaround and uh, so, still had half so my like, stuff packed. So it worked. Oh yeah, no, we just, we went and did it. And so to have, but to have that, I think for me as a disabled person to have somebody that I can, like whenever I go somewhere now, the only two people that I think to ask are you and my mom, because I'm like, well, like I don't want to ask another person because the trust you have to build with someone else when you're traveling is so extensive mm-hmm. and so hard and so scary. Like I, you're the first person that I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? Cool. Like, do those dates work? Like how do you know? <laughs> so I think I wish that more programs that provide attendant care in people's homes would say, guess what? Disabled people want to leave too. How can we incorporate yes. traveling with them so that they can have experiences like that? Yeah. And, and they're really he- like, in my experience, I haven't come across uh, ways that I can use that. I know in terms of um, my daughter's home care hours, we can't use our, what I say use, that's, that sounds wrong, but <laughs> we, we can't bring our, our nurse along with us to an appointment because they're in, unless she follows in her own vehicle or this or that. And I'm like, well, that defeats the whole purpose because yeah, in, in my situation, us. I need somebody in my vehicle with me so that I can focus on driving while somebody else helps my daughter Attend. with what she needs, which yeah. can be medically acute at times um, in her yeah. own situation. So it's ridiculous the way things are set up sometimes. And it's not, they, they seem to think in, in today's day and age, it blows my mind. But yes, they think you should stay at home all the time. Yeah, and you don't and, go anywhere, and yet and things are completely inflexible, and it must be just so. And it's there's no room for for things that are pleasurable. Yeah, or just joy. Like, like yeah. when you and I travel together, we have so much fun. We do from the second from the second we see each other, like start the traveling, all the way through to the end of whatever. Like we have. And we have moments where we're both like, okay, I love you, but I'm going to go over here now. I'll see you in a while. But like, As any friends do. Yeah. But like, you know, I think these programs would really benefit from letting disabled people who live in care go with the same people that do their care on a daily basis. Like, hey, do you want to go to this cool place? Like, let's help you do that. And it doesn't happen very often. And so that's why, like, that's really the only reason why you and I found each other. Because I was on Facebook looking for somebody to help me do my care yeah. And that, like, that's how it started. So I, I'm urging anybody who does managing in care places, like, let's talk about bringing disabled people to let them do stuff. Like, let's, mm-hmm. I mean, when it's safe to do so again, like, let's get them on flights. Let's get them traveling where they feel safe because it's, it's such a And while we're thing. at it, let's talk to airlines about um, accessible travel because that's a whole <laughs> conversation in and of itself. I mean, that could Good be a grief. whole podcast by itself. Oh my like, wow. Wow. Like, I'll never forget the time that you and I were on a, were on the plane and they were carrying me from the seat to the seat and they almost dropped me mm-hmm. and you had to be like, excuse me, um, my friend over there, you almost, you almost broke him. Yeah. Like what, what is this? What, yeah. Like multiple times they send inappropriate people to do the lifts um you know just who aren't strong enough who aren't 
<laughs> aren't physically Eclipse. capable to get into the space that's allowing for them. Yeah. The fact that airlines don't allow enough time for that transition when oh, yeah. between flights, when they know somebody who's going to need that extra assistance is going to be on the flight. Like yeah. why? Because there's always a lineup of people waiting to get on the plane. We're trying to get off while we're waiting for other people to come and help us because we either need a second person to lift or we need the, the mechanical lift or we're waiting on your wheelchair or, 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 something. Yeah, yeah. or we're and watching just... them unload your wheelchair in very, very oh, scary no. ways. Look, oh all my those gosh. Times we were like, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, but it, I mean, also even oof. doing all that stuff to have somebody that like, I'm so glad it's you because you understand like when, when you and I travel together, my staff here will say, oh, who's Rita? How do you know? And I'll explain the whole story. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, do you feel safe with her? And I was like, sometimes I feel safer with her than I do with you. So like, because, <laughs> you know, it's such an important relationship. And I think mm-hmm. that it's just, I'm, I'm so happy we have it because disabled people deserve cool travel companions they can go with. Speaking of, what kind of travel companion do I make for you? A uh, highly entertaining one. Um, <laughs> you, you definitely keep me on my toes and keep me laughing. Um, there, you have your stressy moments, which I know there's always the, how is this going to go? Are they going to break my chair? Is there, you know, and, and we kind of balance each other out that way. Cause I'm always like, it's going to be fine. We're sending out the good vibes. <laughs> and, uh, and I think I annoy the hell out of you with that sometimes. Usually, well, usually what you say is, Andrew, it's fine. Here's a giant bag of M&Ms. Eat this. It'll be all right. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> um, um, and I, we, we, were, we travel well together. I, I, I appreciate really that do. you put that trust in me um, because I know, I know that that's, that's a huge thing, right? Like you're trusting me to get you where you need to be. You're trusting me to make sure I'm not going to leave bags behind you know you're you're I I realize that there's a lot of relying on me and and it um it's I am honored that you entrust me with that um oh thank you well thank you I I I really truly like we've been to so many places let me count let me count the places we've flown to Boston Halifax uh LA (laughs) LA twice no, just once LA. Yeah. Once, yeah. Your mom Boston, you the other time. That's right. New York. But New York, Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we're forgetting somewhere. What Chicago? Do we say Chicago? Chicago? We did. Boston, New York, LA, Vancouver, Halifax. One, two. Is that three. it? Six. No way. We've done no. more, haven't we? I feel like there's more in there somewhere. Something will occur to me, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I really do entrust you because I, you know, up, you know, up until you and I connected, I wasn't able to go anywhere. And I always said, like, I want to go, but it's really hard. And I also, even though my mom is my backup care person, like, I wanted someone my age that I could be like, let's just get away from all this for a little bit. Because you're a grown-ass and- man and you don't want to take your mommy everywhere? I mean, yeah. I mean, I love right. my mommy. She's great. She's amazing. But, but you like, know, she's also a bit of a mom. I, am I allowed to say this on your show? A bit of a cock block? Yeah, what? <laughs> Actually, she's not so much anymore. No. She's, oh, she's, way to go, Cher. 
she she uh she's <laughs> the last time we went out my mom and i when we traveled together there was somebody at the bar we were at that was yeah. like eyeing me and she goes she goes well if i wasn't here he'd fuck you <laughs> and i just died i died laughing because oh, i was like i, I love, love this it. oh my god that's and so, so like funny. she's She's totally not. She's okay. full support okay. of me getting that D. And, <laughs> and I'm all about it. My mom's, she's, she's sometimes too supportive of that. Of that <laughs> I was going to say, supportive or not, sometimes that's still a little awkward. Yeah. You don't yeah. want your mom wingmanning for you. <laughs> um, no, but I, I really enjoy our, the dynamic we have together because it's so fun. Like, you know, sitting on a plane, with you eating M&Ms and watching, just watching silly stuff. And it was, yes. it was awesome. So I want to know from you, Rita, what mm-hmm. are some things about attendant care that you've learned from working with me as your friend attendant? As my friend mm, What have I learned? Um, I have learned to get real creative. <laughs> Because sometimes <laughs> attending care means climbing up onto the bed with you. Um, I have learned that an accessible space doesn't mean it's accessible to everyone. Wow! Um, how many times have we? How many times have you and I been in somewhere in the states, and like that we're in a, a supposedly accessible unit? Oh. And was it was it Chicago? We were no, it was it was Boston. We were in it was the little place in Boston we could get in I could get in the thing but you and I had to rearrange we had to rearrange furniture and and try to get you into the room and yeah it was a it was a suite and it was wonderfully awkward not yeah not accessible (laughs) um the like the most successful one we had was in Vancouver and we were there in 20 2017 and when they yeah. gave us the shower room like that room that was a yeah. shower and you and I were both like oh, what is this like we don't know how to do it was so yeah. big that you and I could both have showers in there and it would be fine <laughs> I, I think we basically more or less did <laughs> by the yeah. time I was done helping you it was uh I, I'm pretty sure I was soaked head to toe but uh <laughs> it, that was a great space absolutely yeah, wonderful it space it was really 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 accessible which yeah. doesn't have like even in Halifax I found it was inaccessible like we we managed you and I really do get creative yeah. like trying to figure out where to put the Hoyer lift trying to figure out yes. where to do all these things yeah. just to travel but again if I was traveling with somebody that annoyed the, sh- the shit out of me yeah wouldn't work that would be re- it wouldn't work and so like we at each other all the time it- yeah Oh, frustrating and irritating and and it wouldn't make you want to travel, which is no, no good. And so like, as soon as I get a chance to go somewhere, you know, you're the first person that I text. I'm like, hey, so uh, how do these dates <laughs> look for you? Let's go. <laughs> how do you feel about going here? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I want to come to this place. Like, it's so fun. And I, yeah. I think, you know, it really, I hope that it's it's broadened how you, not broadened, but like, informed a little bit of how you do care mm-hmm. with others and like what how you can like I'd love for you to become like everyone's friend tendon because it's such a <laughs> I'm not sure my husband would love if I became everyone's <laughs> friend tendon <laughs> he'd be solo parenting a lot um I want to jump there for a second because yeah. it's important so you okay. talked about your daughter a little mm-hmm. bit and I want to just being the mom of a, of a person with a disability yes. like 
that's something that I think is fascinating because I want to understand from you how being the mom of a disabled person has informed just your life. Um, I think that I am probably one of the most uh, prepared parents for that role. I think that growing up the way I did with a mom who I'm, I think my mom was a special ed teacher for at least the last 15 years of her uh, career. So she was, and, and that role has changed a lot since that time too, but um, her whole job was finding ways to make things work for people who needed them to work differently which was great. So I grew up watching her do that. I grew up learning about that. I then had my lake or my camp experience. I worked um, for um, community living as a special services at home worker. I yep. uh, was a respite worker for a man with an acquired brain injury in university. I, um, I came into, and actually I ended up, um, so, I, I got a degree in theater, which is super useful. Uh, and my wonderful mother, who knows me so well, said, you know, Rita, maybe you should consider taking the personal support worker course part-time in this last year of university because you're only part-time to finish up your credits. Um, maybe you should consider that just so you have something to fall back on. Um, yeah. I know you don't love waiting tables and, and you've got experience in that field. So maybe that would be a good choice for you. And uh, I'm forever grateful that she pushed me in that direction. Not because so gently. <laughs> because it, it all prepared me to be Lauren's mom. It wow. And wow. I know for a fact that so many parents who are, thrust into this position of unknown um come at it with no prior or very little prior experience and so i am grateful for every experience that i've had along the way because i didn't have to learn how to do a bed bath after my child was born i didn't have to learn how to communicate with a nonverbal person i didn't have to learn um hand over hand to help writing. her with writing or with art or with numerous things, right? Like I didn't have to learn those concepts before implementing them. And I could help, you know, my husband along the way. Um, I could help, you know, my mom was, my mom was great at coming up with ideas of, um, <clears throat> you know, just ways to entertain Lauren when she was really little even because, you know, She's not going to be able to just play on the floor while I make dinner or whatnot. And it was yeah. like, how do I not just stick her in front of a TV all day while I'm trying to get things done and just kind of work that out. So I am forever, forever grateful for all, all the things that I learned coming into that role um, as her mom. Um, and I, I hope that <laughs> she's grateful for them too. Um so, but now it's, it's seeing things from the parent side, right? Which as a camp counselor, I didn't really understand always, you know, and yep. um, 
I didn't fully comprehend just how much um, your parents were entrusting us. Right. You know, like like every parent who drops their kid off at camp is kind of entrusting someone else with their child. But when you're a parent of a kid with a disability, it's, it's a whole yeah, other ball game. You really are. Like, you mean you. you you know, and and I I look back on the parents who who were bringing kids to camp who were nonverbal, or you know who couldn't advocate for themselves and tell us in ways that we were accustomed to what they needed from us. And when you think about the fact that there were be seventeen year olds and and up being trusted with that responsibility, it's kind of mind blowing. With like trakes and yeah big stuff medical care for essentially um you know when i have talked to nurses since then who are like oh we don't learn that until third year nursing i'm like oh i learned it at 17 from a video (laughs) and they're like oh oh, that's terrifying (laughs) right uh you know it's uh we we used to joke that the catheter video was the make or break day at camp for cancers during training because it was either you were in or you were out after watching that yeah. Um, and that kind of told us who the, the right people for the job were, but, uh, it's, it's all, you know, it's all been my life leading up to, to now. And now I have this, uh, incredible teenage daughter who I love beyond words, who still teaches me new things all the time. And uh, what are what are some of those things that you're learning from her? Well, she would from the time she was tiny, when she was about two, I we actually thought she was having absence seizures. We were going through testing and whatnot, thinking that she might be having absence seizures. And it turned out that no, she was rolling her eyes back because and and because I haven't already talked about this, she has a tracheostomy and a ventilator. Um and so she was looking to her suction unit, which was behind her head, trying to cue us that she wanted to be suctioned. Oh, wow. And so it was like, oh, is she having absence? No, she's not. She's, she's telling us Trying what to she needs and we need to, yeah. to, you know, listen, so to speak. Um, and she's the one who, who came up with how she was going to uh, say yes and no with eye gaze. Um, so she, when she wants to answer yes to a question, will move her eyes as if she's nodding or move her eyes to the side as, as one would shake their head. And so for her, she came up with that on her own and taught us, right? Because that wow. for her was easier than, you know, looking to the right or looking to the left because she could do that before she knew what right or left was. Yeah. You know, a lot of times kids that I've, I've met at camp, it's, you know, they'll, if they are wheelchair users and nonverbal, they'll have a tray on their wheelchair and there'll be a sticker to one side that's yes and a sticker to the other side that's no. And they'll look to the one, but she didn't have to wait that long because that was what she came up with. Um, and it, it, being her mom has taught me a lot about a lot of people's character too. And yeah. those who are willing to learn those who are not um and i've heard you on our, on our long yeah and our long Sorry. flights to places i've heard you say to me like oh these doctors man like this 
these, these doctors and these nurses and these mm. places don't get it sometimes. And like we've had big talks yep. about how you're just oh, trying to had... be her yep. mom, and they're like, yeah. "Fuck off! We don't want to listen to you." Like pretty much, yeah. There, there are times. There are some. Some are amazing. Some of her, her doctors. Some of her nurses have been absolutely amazing but you can tell when we end up with a new home care nurse I can tell within less than a week if they are meant to be in our home or not because how they interact with her um, what degree her care is done to because you can change somebody well or you can do a half-assed job and and you see what you know, kind of standard of um, care they provide. And you kind of go, if this was your loved one, is that how you would leave them? Like, that's yeah. not would okay. Like, that, yeah, would you leave them dirty? Would you leave them right? uncomfortable? Would you, would you we, leave them with the... We've yeah, dismissed yeah, nurses exactly. for leaving her with a, you know, feces smeared backside in a bed that smells of urine. At the end wow. of the <laughs> yeah, that's how they finish their shift. That's how wow. I'm receiving her from you. That tells me Which, how well you've taken care of my child all day. So you've put in the no whole effort. day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Wow. And wow. yeah, that's like, disgustingly, that happens. And also for her right? as a human being, like the, yeah, the dignity know, and the like, the, yeah. nobody wants oh, to have it. a poop smeared butt. I've been nobody. there. I've... <laughs> right. <laughs> Like that's it's not cool. I've literally been there, like not not as long ago as like two weeks ago. So I get it. I fully understand. Um, yeah. And, you know, I when you when you receive bad care, like I know within the first mm-hmm. twenty seconds if somebody enters my home and I like them, because yeah. are you smiling? Are you are you engaging? And it, I can imagine, you know, I haven't I have trouble with my caregivers all the time, and I can imagine for her how frustrating it is to want to tell you to screw off or want to tell you to leave or want to tell you to get out of here, yeah. but you need them. And also you can't verbalize, get the fuck out of my room. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that is, and, and I, I feel for her so much in that role because I know you do. <laughs> I know you have, I know yeah. uh, you've gotten in, tr- in trouble for it, which there's a whole other conversation we could have about, um, send you know telling management that somebody's not appropriate yeah for your care and 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 how unheard that is for when you do it and how inappropriate that is that they're sending in somebody who's providing that level of care and not listening to you or you know and also i find it troubling as somebody who goes through that and Mm -hmm. right now i'm going through something similar with Mm -hmm. the company that i that i live in and they're invest right now they're currently investigating themselves so does anybody want to tell me how that works then i claimed abuse and they are investigating the abuse themselves does that make sense to that anyone? makes zero sense yeah, that's what i want to know that like <laughs> i i can't i can't wrap my head around that one yeah I, my brain yeah, doesn't no. quite compute that no. No, no no i don't i don't get it either that's, so yeah not okay for you as a for you as a mom like i can imagine mm-hmm. like you know and people think that the parents of disabled kids are overbearing are like sometimes too close 
But, you know, I understand why, because you want to make sure that somebody doesn't hurt your kid and you want to make sure that they're treated yeah. with dignity. And so like, I used to be like, to even to my mom, yeah. my mom is very like hands off. She's like, oh, I'll be there. But if you fall down, you'll figure it out. But like when she's not, or like when, when you and I are traveling and you have to, you know, pull some of the mama bear shit so that I can get what I need. I love it. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't have to fight now. Someone is there to fight yeah. with me. This will be good. And yet the fact that it needs to be somebody fighting on your behalf is ridiculous right i i'm thinking back to a particular flight attendant and you probably know exactly the one <laughs> i'm thinking of i'm trying yep. i don't remember which flight it was um it was but i remember Canada her somewhere. saying don't worry we'll take care of your little friend <laughs> my little friend i'm like he's a the six one who's foot in tall man who has a master's degree and is is employing me right now to get to ever <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I don't even know what to do with that when they say things like that. It blows my yeah, mind. I'm I, like, ask him. He can answer for himself. He's a grown man. Like, I'm right there. Yeah. And, like, the, all the times where, like, we talked about earlier, like, they would almost drop me. And you and I would say to them yeah. very forcefully, like, don't do that. And they'd look at you and you'd be like, he told you not to do it. What, right? what are you doing? Oh, my goodness. It's unreal so, how many people like the, that that whole strain of ableism in and of itself to think that you aren't able to speak for yourself. Yeah, it's so. It's, then when I see that in turn with my daughter who is nonverbal, it's ten times more frequent. Yeah, because they assume that because she's not like her her mouth isn't mechanically capable of speaking the same way that say I do yeah, means that she doesn't comprehend what they're saying because I guarantee you she understands everything you said and she's got an opinion <laughs> yeah. about it oh my goodness this kid well that will serve her well oh, I it will, I mean, it the will eye rolls I well. get I'm telling you oh my gosh <laughs> um but I oh. think you know you be and I think one of the things I'd love to learn from you is what is one like Two questions, two final questions I have for you. What is okay. the hardest, the hardest and most, okay, three. What is the <laughs> hardest part of being the mom of a disabled person that people don't understand? And I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not saying it's so hard to have it's a disabled not person. The, and that, uh, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. When people come at me with the, oh, I don't think I could do what you do. I don't, you, know, you could. You could. Don't be an asshole. It's your kid. She's my kid. Like, no. Or the, oh, God only gives it to the special people. And it's like, I've, I've seen memes about it. It's like, how do you feel uh, knowing that God doesn't think you're special? Right? Like, it's, it, don't give me this crap. No. She's my kid. What she needs, I'm going to get for her. I'm going to do for her. Like, because I yeah. love her and I'm her mom. The hardest yeah. part is other people yeah it's it's trying to find that boundary of of allowing her independence and autonomy at whatever level that looks like for her yeah but still being there to make sure to make, that people aren't ab idiots abusing her or and abusive her or, or 
it and it's mostly other people's ignorance that is my biggest challenge you know the teacher yeah. who plans a field trip and I say okay well what accessibility features are at like you know um is there uh, somewhere we can get Lauren changed is there somewhere you know for, for her toileting needs is there somewhere appropriate for if she needs to get out of her chair for a bit is there somewhere you know like have you considered the if the weather um because she has a ventilator on her chair and it can't get wet so in the event of rain what happens and all the things that aren't thought about so it's it's the educating of other people it's the um having to figure out for other people how to assess Lauren's learning it's the and and I'm focused on school right now because this year has been extra interesting oh, yeah. uh, as we did the uh remote learning but um and it, in her transition to grade nine it was remote learning so that was a whole ball of wax plus we had lost our primary nurse to a mat leave during that time so basically oh, no. from October until February I was mom I was nurse I was EA because we didn't have wow. these things and and yeah. that is not that is not my role all while trying to run my own business and you know, support my son's online learning and, and my husband who was teaching from home. And it was, it was interesting. I was very grateful when we found a good, when I found a good nurse, because she was a family friend who uh, I happened to find out was not real um, enthusiastic about her current employment. And I said, really? <laughs> Let me forward on your resume to my nursing agency because they need nurses. Amazing. So I mean, sometimes, uh, that uh, that worked so much better than anyone they tried to send me. Do you feel like the you know we talked a second ago about how the pandemic changed care, but mm-hmm. given that you you know you said you're the you were the EA, you were the mom, you were the nurse, you were all these things. How how would you like care to change given all given the pandemic? Like how does care work? And and that that was a huge decision in and of itself, right? You know, you obviously didn't have the choice of letting people in or not, where we had to make that decision. Do we continue to allow nurses? Well, when it started, we had one primary day nurse and one primary night nurse, and they covered most of the shifts between the two of them that we were allotted. So knowing that basically they were here and they were home sleeping <laughs> not much else um and at the time it they were both um you know not parents yet obviously the one's gone on mat leave since but um that played a huge role because when they would try and send replacement nurses and you would hear that their kids were doing in-person kindergarten you're kind of like ah, i don't know about this i'm not sure yeah. i want somebody who's you know, because small kids are, they're touching things, they're putting things in their mouths, they're, you know, like, yeah, they're kids. They're, small kids are disgusting. I love them dearly, but they're disgusting. <laughs> and so, in the midst of a pandemic, it's that much worse. And it was like, oh, how do we decide, you know, what to do and what's right for our family? And, and because um, of Lauren being tricked and ventilated, um, 
it was that much worse because she doesn't have a good productive cough. And so if she had caught COVID, um, it would like, I, I don't know. And I, the, and then thinking about medical ableism and, and knowing that in places there were, you know, um, people th- where they had to away. choose between who got the ventilators and whatnot. And I'm yeah. like, well, technically we, it's, it's our ventilator. Can they take that from us? Like if, if she needed to be um, admitted to hospital and like, and just all the logistics of that. And I kind of went, I, I don't know what to do about bringing people in because I can't burn myself out yeah. doing night shifts and, and things like that too. And, you know, it, it's, I, I need my daughter to have parents who are keeping themselves healthy too. Right. So, because that's the other question, what happens if something happens to one of us, you know, if one of us catch yeah. it and then we have to isolate and, and how do we isolate in our home? And like, Oh, there was a lot to think about. It was, yes. uh, it was a lot. It was, so my- you know, and, and if I got a tickle in my throat or, or my husband got a tickle in his throat, it was like, okay, you're not going near Lauren. You're, you know, and not wanting to isolate her either, but at the same time, trying to keep her safe. And uh, it's, it, uh, yeah, it was a challenge. And that was just within our own household. So I can't even imagine how frustrating that must have been for you with you know non-family members and people that you have no control over where they're going after work and oh yeah it was a it, it was a journey and a half 10 uh-huh. of 10 of the 30 some staff we had got COVID over the last year and a half God. and they, I mean most of them are oh yeah all of them are recovered now which is okay. great and I mean while well, they're recovered but again who knows Grateful what recovered they means. are well yeah. 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 Who knows what lasting side effects. So, I mean, I am very grateful, but you know, my, my mom was scared too. We, we had big conversations about like, should I come home? Should I like, what do you do to be okay? So I can only imagine for you as like the parent of a disabled kid being in there mm-hmm. with her and like watching the numbers, you know, here in Ontario now when we're recording the numbers are not so, not so bad anymore, but you know, this, like six months ago it was it was scary every day to to see what was happening yeah and when you have somebody who's who's vulnerable like we are it's scary um uh i want to shift gears one last time and i want to ask mm-hmm. you so seeing as you're my friend tendant yes and we're gonna travel again soon absolutely by the end of 2021 or the beginning of 2022 please fingers, fingers crossed. crossed yes uh, <laughs> um where is one place that you would want to take me that we have not been yet where we could go? Um, can we go somewhere like sunny and tropical or like, um, I don't know, like, can you, or can you get a speaking gig in Vegas or? Like, I mean, hey, anybody in Vegas want to hire a speaker? Like I'm around, I'll do it. Would be, that would be fantastic. I do love Vegas. I, I do too. I haven't been in a while. So yeah no i i would love or hey like if we can get our way over to europe that'd be great when there's like not europe. floods and all those things well, yeah yes. sure yeah yeah hey london I, I want to come back there let me know how do i do it that would be fantastic 
Someone hire me. I'm available. Absolutely love that. Yeah, I feel like your mom swooped on in on that trip. <laughs> yeah. She, well, she, she tries our, to scoop the ones she likes. <laughs> yeah, she she did organizing with that. She, <laughs> Which she I don't blame her because I would absolutely <laughs> do the same thing. No, that was a good time. But I, I definitely wanted. I I'm so excited to travel with you again when it's safe to. Um, yes. What is some advice for somebody who might want to want to travel with somebody that they're friends with who's disabled who's never done it? And if they're hit up on Facebook like I hit you or you hit me up, mm-hmm. what would you say to them going in? I would say a um, couple things. The first thing being um, be ready to listen and learn. You don't know. You think you know, yeah. but you don't know. Um, so please let whoever is hiring you guide you um, because not everybody's, not two people's care is the same right? Um, What works for one person doesn't work for somebody else. And so you've got to be ready to be flexible. Um, I would also say travel with a small toolkit (laughs) because you're, you're going to need to be multi-skilled. You're probably going to fix the wheelchair (laughs) on day one. Wheelchair are pretty typical. Um, And be ready to be patient because there will be delays. There will be unexpected. There will be adventures and you've got to be ready to, to roll with it. And, um, and you know, if you're putting the friendship first, that works, right? You think of it as a friendship and like, don't go into it for, if there's money involved, don't go into it for money because, it's not about that and if you're only doing it for money you're not in it for the right reasons and it's going to be a miserable experience and i would say the same thing for to the people. disabled yeah to the disabled person hiring you know asking their friend to do it remember that the friend that's doing it for you is still a person they mm-hmm. just because you've they've agreed to work with you doesn't mean they've automatically become your servant you have to <laughs> there needs to be a give and take of of how you work together. And so what I, one of the things I love about our working relationship is like, sometimes I'll get a hotel room for me and I'll get a hotel room for you and then we'll have our space. But yep. then we always, you know, we'll buy, we'll do things like, let me buy you dinner. I'll buy, I'll get this for you. Like, like I can't do a lot physically to be like, thanks, but I can be like, let me, you know, I can buy you lunch. I can do this. I can do like, so I think that when you're bringing on somebody, if they're your friend, Remember they're your friend and don't abuse the relationship just because you're friends and don't like make them. And then again, they haven't automatically become your servant just because they agreed to work with you. Like they are a human being and sometimes human beings fuck up and that's okay too. And like, yep. like I think it's important to remember that anybody who, who receives or provides care is still a human. And so when you're traveling with somebody who's, who needs care or somebody who's doing your care for you. Like there's going to be those moments where you're like, fuck, this is fucking annoying. And I don't like this. Or like, maybe they have done something the way you wouldn't normally do it. Take a breath and like show them with love because yeah. it's if really it's hard for us to travel. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you've got a way of doing it, but sometimes their way is fine. It's better. Right? Like, yeah. And, and, I, and it, it might so, not be better, but it might be adequate. And, and for somebody who's not doing your care all the time, like is it worth yeah getting in a, a huff over be- and you know no it getting isn't. your your day on that track right 
like some of the stuff that you that you've done for me I wouldn't normally do in the same way but I like it because it's it works in the moment it's efficient mm. it's fun and we get the thing done and it's done it's not like it's not like so regimented like it is where I live it's like a it's like a different way of doing it and I, and I enjoy that so I really value our our friend tenant relationship it's really important and I'm so happy you could come on the show and share a little bit about that I'm with so us. I'm so glad I could too. And and I'm going to add maybe um, be clo- comfortable with being in close proximity because there are going to be times where you're going to be in some real tight spaces together. Yeah, where it'll be hot. Yeah, and you got to be able to, oh gross. gosh. And, and, and you know, sharing a bathroom stall. and um, so Sometimes Andrew shit himself on the flight to wherever you got to go and it's, things, things happen. Shit happens. <laughs> shit happens and you gotta deal with it and you figure it out as you go and it you know whatever it is what it is we've been we've been through some stuff you can can laugh like and i think you know so i anyone listening who who wants to hire somebody to or you know work with somebody to go somewhere take take heed of our tips and i hope that you can find somebody that is wants to be your friend tenant too because it's such a special relationship and I truly value it. So Rita, I'm so happy you're here today. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy to be your friend tenant. And like I said, I love that term because it really does encompass the the travel relationship that we have. I really, I should get it for you on a shirt. I'll figure it out. You You know what? Will's got a cricket. We're on it. I'll I'll get one. Yeah. All right. Great. Great. Good. Good. Um, How can the people, if anybody listening... How can they get a hold of you? How can they support you? How can they follow you? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, I am on Instagram. I'm Rita L. Cochran, R-I-T-A-L-C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E. Um, other than that, <laughs> that's about it. That's probably my my biggest thing. Um, nice, that'll I work. I think everything else is pretty private, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I will, I'll make sure all that's in the show notes. And uh, Rita, thank you yeah. so much for coming on my little show today. And I'm sure you and I will text right after this is done. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you Sounds soon. Good. Okay. Bye. Bye, hon. All right, friends. That's another episode of Disability After Dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at andrewgerza underscore, or you can follow my website www.andrewgerza.com to find out more about what I do. And of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple and Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast 
on your website, please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.